You know, yesterday um, was, for me, the culmination of a dream that I've had since 1990 to see the churches in Warrington come together under a common cause. And uh, we've taken stabs at this several times over the last 30 years, I guess. Uh, But yesterday was the first time we've had that many churches come together uh, for one purpose, and that was to recognize the sanctity of life. Um, So 10 churches. Uh, We probably had somewhere around four or 500 people come through. A lot of games, a lot of activities. Warrington Bible Fellowship was privileged to man the food tent, um, and we sold some and we ate some, and you know how that goes. So So thank you, those of you that supported us in prayer. Thank you, those who brought water and cookies. Uh, We're going to do it again next year. It's going to become an annual event celebrating the anniversary of the repeal of Roe versus Wade. So we appreciate your support. Thank you. When I came on staff in 2004, we had a relationship with crew. Uh, down in, in Radford. Uh, and uh, shortly after that, I met a young man named Jesse Fury. And Jesse uh, has been a faithful Maddie. and hardworking leader of crew for several years. And then he started a new ministry called the Bonhoeffer House. And uh, I'll tell you something, this is near and dear to our heart here at Warrington Bible Fellowship because it has to do with equipping the leaders of the body of Christ. Uh, so we've had a long-going relationship with Jesse and his family. Uh, I'd like to bring him forward. He's got a message for us, and we'd like to hear a little bit about his ministry as well. Jesse, can I pray for you? Yes, please. Father, I thank you for this man who's dedicated his life to the gospel. I thank you for the hard work he's done, and I pray now, Father, your spirit would hover over him and speak through him, Father, mm. that we might be nourished and edified, not just by the witness and testimony of his ministry, but by the preaching of his word in Jesus' mm. name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor John. Yes, my wife Jenny and I have been, uh, you guys, Warrington Bible has been a, a partner for our ministry for 20 years. So 2003 is when we first joined staff with crew at Radford. And um, it has been an amazing 20 years of ministry in the, uh, we're still in Radford. We're still in the beautiful New River Valley. Uh, still work in partnership with crew at Radford and at Virginia Tech. And, uh, but my main job is with the Bonhoeffer House. Now I started the Bonhoeffer House in Well, it's been 10 years, 10 years ago, and uh, we started the Bonhoeffer House because I was compelled by the question, who will, who will, who will reach and then raise up and train and, and form uh, the, the generation of pastors and church leaders who would reach and raise up and send out my grandkids and their kids and down the line. And so we, we started crew, or we started the Bonhoeffer House, really seeing a lot of college students that were hungry for training and hungry for formation and wanting to be trained up to lead. And, wanting, and really, I wanted to bridge the gap between, there was a few gaps. The gap between campus ministry and the local church. Uh, the gap between the local church and the seminary, where often you send someone off for four years and they're disconnected from their church and they're learning in the classroom. And we were talking before about how, how uh, you don't, if you're a carpenter, you don't learn how to be a carpenter with a book. You just got to get out there and work. You got to have someone overseeing you going, you're going to, you're going to nail your thumb to that. You, you move your thumb around, right? You know, here's how you do it. 
And then also bridging the gap between local churches, bringing churches together. And so, uh, so what we do is we help churches become like teaching hospitals, you know, where you've got hospitals and then you've got teaching hospitals where you have residents who are practicing while they've got an attending pastor who's overseeing them. And so, you know, this is, this is really something I'm passionate about and love to give my life to and uh, would love to talk with you if you wanted the potluck after church. But this morning... What I'm really excited to do is bring the word to you this morning, Psalm 27. We're going to be looking at how to, how to be, how to trust in the presence of God. And as you turn there, I want to ask, I wonder if you, if you know what rucking is. Carrying a heavy load in a rucksack, right? In a, in a backpack, Standard military training, I heard 1830 earlier, so I figured at least somebody would know what I'm talking about. It's, it's just stand, it's a practice, you practice walking under, uh, under a load or, or running under a load. And um, isn't that kind of like life for us? Are you, do you have at least some kind of load that you're carrying around, right? You've got a backpack. Now, now there's, there's like cosmic cares, there's big, big things, but really most of the things that, that we feel are like, um, like stones that are dropped into our backpack are, are really things that are personal and local. Like um, one for me right now is how am I going to pay for my kid's braces? Why are they so expensive? Can he just push on his teeth? I'm trying to convince him to do it. What, what, what am I going to do about the, the gutter that's backing up and the water that's getting into my house? You might be thinking like, what, okay, what if somebody finds out about the really, really, really embarrassing thing in my past or, or about me that I really don't want anyone to know about? Or why doesn't this person like me? I'm likable. Why don't they like me? What if my kid marries a loser? Or even worse, what if my kid is the loser, right? There, there are things, there, there's just things that we kind of carry around. And you, you know, if you've ever carried around a heavy backpack, you know how amazing it is to take it off? Oh, doesn't it feel so good? Even like if, you're, if you've ever been backpacking and you just find a rock with another rock behind it that you can sit on and it just, oh, it takes the pressure off. It feels so good. And we are so hungry for anything that we can do to, to just lessen that load as humans, right? We just, we are so hungry. We have such a strong appetite for relief. And Psalm 27, it, it really addresses this. What does it look like for us? Whether our pack feels heavy or feels light, what does it look like for us to find the kind of relief we're looking for in God? What if, what if there's a way to walk through life where you can trust God in a way that just he, he's the one who's lifting that. Let's turn to Psalm 27. Let's read it together. This psalm has become one of my favorites this spring. I've been praying and meditating on this psalm this spring, this spring, and it has really helped me to trust in the presence of God. So let's turn there and read together. This is Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me. But the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. This is God's word for us this morning. Now, I think what we're going to see here this morning in Psalm 27 is, is really trusting God in three different places or three different arenas. One is trusting God in peace. Two is trusting God in trouble. And three is trusting God together. Okay, so let's look first at trusting God in peace, verses one through six. What I mean by that is trusting God when things are okay. Some of you guys here this morning, things are okay. Things are good. You, you might be here and you're just going, hey, life is, life is okay right now. And we all have seasons where we're just, this is good. This is a good stretch. So what does it look like to trust God? Because oftentimes when, when we are in that time of peace and that time of relative comfort, it's all, it, that's the time where we start to go like, oh, I've got it. I don't really need God. But David here is saying, this is what it looks like to trust in the presence of God, even when, yeah, even when things aren't that hard. So David mentions a lot of trouble here. First, I want to say this is a psalm of David. I think what we're, what we're going to see is in these first six verses, I think actually he's, he's likely composing this over time while he's in exile from Saul. Okay, so in this, for these first six verses, he's, he, these troubles he's mentioning, they're hypothetical. They're, they're in the future. When, when evildoers assail me, right? He's sitting there and he's going, okay, it's going to happen because I know I'm in exile, it's going to happen. When it happens, when they, when they assail me to eat up my flesh, he's saying, listen, my enemies are like wild animals. They want to devour me. But they're not right here right now. When they, when they come, though an army encamp, encamp against me, again, hypothetical, though an army encamp against me, though war may rise against me, 
See, David's writing from a place of peace. You know, you remember, you remember the story of David, if you're familiar. He's in exile, I think, at this time from Saul, the king. And, and do you remember why Saul doesn't like David? He doesn't like David because he suspects, and he's right, that the Lord has anointed David to become the king of Israel, to be a king after God's own heart. Well, even before that, he didn't like David because David killed Goliath. And when he did, they sang the songs about David, right? Where they were like, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And Saul didn't like that. Right? There's jealousy. There's envy. He recognizes that David is the one that God has blessed. And so David is, is, has fled from him. And, and this band of kind of myth, misfits have come around David. And, and so you can almost imagine. Imagine they're, they're in a cave somewhere. And David is sitting at the mouth of the cave and he's looking back over his life and he's, he's particularly pointing at the, the character and the work of God, of his Lord. Back to verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Now keep in mind here, if your Bible has Lord in all caps, we're talking about Yahweh. David is using the covenantal name of God, the name that God has given of himself to his people. And so David is saying, my... My covenantal God is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? This is the character of God. He is light. He is salvation. He is the stronghold of his life. What kind of God is he? David is saying he's, he is a God of light and of life. He said, let there be light and there was light. There's no mistaking it. He's the immovable rock, the unshakable one. So, but really what makes this so profound is the use of the personal pronoun. He's my God, my Lord, my rock, my salvation, my light, my stronghold. See, you, you, you have here in the beginning when, when David is talking in this time of peace about the character and the work of God. You see the, the bringing together of the power of God and the presence of God. Yeah, of course he's powerful. He has no rivals. His, true, his life and his power unrivaled. He's the transcendent creator. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He upholds all things by a word of his power, his word tells us. He's powerful, but he's also present, right? He's, he's, the, he's the covenantal God. He's my, my salvation, my light, David says. We see this even in, in the Old Testament, right? We see this when God calls to Moses in the burning bush and he's, he's drawing him in and giving him his name, his covenantal name. When, when he whispers to Elijah with a still small voice in 1 Kings 19 and we see this with the promise to, through Isaiah that the virgin will, will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And the fulfillment of that promise and the person of Jesus, fully God, fully man, we see this most clearly. The, the fulfillment, Matthew says, of that promise to Isaiah. God with us. Emmanuel. And I know it sounds wrong, but it, it gets better than Jesus in the flesh. Than, than God giving us his son in body to be with us. It gets better than that. I know it sounds wrong, but Jesus actually says this in John 16. I tell you the truth, it's better for you that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper, 
The counselor, the spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, he gives us his very spirit to be with us. God with us. Power and presence. David is saying in a time of peace, when things are okay, we have to practice remembering the person and the work of our God. This for David stirs up his appetite. Right? Because we all have a hunger. And really a lot of us, the, you know, the hunger is, let me get rid of this. Let me get this pack off. And he's saying, you got to stir up your appetite, but not just to get the relief, but to actually be with God, to be present with God. So he turns here and says in verse 4, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Right, there's a challenge for us this morning in Psalm 27. Are we just pursuing the benefits that God has? Or are we pursuing the presence of God? Do we just want what he has, the, the comfort, the safety, the relief, or do we want the presence of God? Because when we just pursue what he has, he becomes just a sort of delivery method where we get the thing that we want from him. And often if we don't get it, then it feels like God is just kind of doing this to us. And we're like, why won't you just give me the thing? You've got the thing I want. Why won't you just give it to me? But here we have in this time of peace that we trust in the presence of God. Oh, you know, he's far away. He's in exile. And he's thinking, if I could just be in the presence, if I could just be at the temple which for him was a tabernacle. We see that in verse six. I will offer in his tent, right? In, in, t- in t- t- terms of history, the, the temple hadn't fully been built yet. It was a tabernacle, the presence of God in this tent construction. David wants to build the temple. We see that in second Samuel seven. And God says, no, I'm going to build your house. It's your son who will build my temple. So if I could just get back to the, 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 the tent, the very center of God's presence, this place of blood. And now here's the thing about the temple or the tabernacle. It was a place of blood and it was a place of like a barbecue. Right? You've got the burnt offering. So you smell, it smells like a mission. You guys have mission barbecue. We have mission barbecue around here, right? Okay. It's like mission, but you walk in there and you're like, oh, this smells like a party. Uh, my, my hunger is awakened. But then there's the, the smell of blood and the, and the sight of blood. And, and it's like, okay, but this, this blood represents that God is a consuming fire, a holy creator, a judge. That all of our sins, what we, what we, what we just talked about, what, who we are and what we do, transgress his holiness and his justice. The scales of balance, or scales of justice are not balanced, right? They're unbalanced and there has to be a blood offering. But there's, there's also the smell of burnt offerings, this, this singing, the, the reminder that where there's joy in the house of the Lord. And, and this is because he has made a way. Accepting the blood sacrifice of another so that we could be in his presence together. So I want you again to consider David at the mouth of the cave writing these words. One thing, if I could just gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to, and to inquire, that's the same word as to meditate upon his word, to, to just be present with him. Wouldn't, that be, wouldn't it be wonderful to just be present with God? 
So here, I want to help you see what's happening. In this time of peace, he's practicing being, being in the presence of God. He's practicing a hunger, not just to be, have relief, but to be in the presence of God. Now, I wonder if you have anybody in your life that makes you feel really safe or have had someone in your life where you're just like, if I'm with this person, I'm safe. I remember as a, as a kid, like little kid, my dad, I thought my dad was the strongest man in the world. Did you ever have those arguments on the playground? My dad is stronger than your dad. My dad is faster than your dad. And, and, you know, of course, when you're like five, your frame of reference is very narrow. And, you know, my dad was like four times my size. He could throw me. You know, he, he was practically Goliath. As far as I was concerned, he was just the biggest, strongest person in the world, right? And so, but there's a sense of safety in that. Not everybody's got that with their dad, but in my memory, I've, I've got that. And how strange and unnatural it would have been for me to have tried to separate his, the, the benefits of safety and security from the presence of my dad. I just want what, I don't want you, I want what you give me. And yet we often do this with God. God becomes a kind of means to an end. He has something we want. We want to put the backpack down, sit in the shade. And he's made some promises to that effect. So, make, so we say, hey, you've, give me that thing that you want. This is why I love that song we sang, the second song about uh, trusting God, right? When, when the waters don't part, still going to trust God. So what are you pursuing first? What is the sort of the chief pursuit of your life? And I want to encourage you, may it be the presence of of God, not just what he has. Now let's turn to seven through 12. We're looking here at trusting God in trouble. We just spend a little bit of time here. The trouble is real for David in this. He says, my father and my mother have forsaken me. False witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. I, you know, maybe think about this as he was in the mouth of the cave and he's writing it from a place of nobody's pursuing him. And now he's being pursued and on the run, he's writing about this and he's saying, my parents have forsaken me. The tr- people are, the people are lying about me. They're breathing out violence against me. And so when we are in times of trouble like this, we have here an encouragement to be honest. The troubles are real. We can be honest. The, the, the house of the Lord, the, the family of God, this is the place to be honest about the troubles. Be honest. Sometimes these troubles are huge. You know, sometimes they're Goliath for David. But sometimes they're small. Sometimes it's just, I, I, really, I really am hurt by the betrayal. Really hurt me. I, don't, I feel this certain way. And your, your backpack might have a few Goliaths in there and maybe like 30 little, little kind of rocks of little betrayals or, or hurts along the way, worries. I know I have some Goliaths in my pack and I've got about 100 little pebbles of just things that, I, you know, that are worri- worrisome. Things, times where I felt a certain way and now it's, oh, I don't know if I can really trust in this situation again in Psalm 27 is saying, hey, we should be honest here as a family. You should be honest with one another about the troubles, just as David is here. But there's also a challenge here to be present with God. You have said, seek my face, verse eight. 
My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. And so in this time of trouble, and and maybe for you this morning, you're coming in in that kind of a place. When I said, maybe you, you know, when I said before you're coming in and things are okay, you're like, no, it's not okay. I'm right on the, on, on the edge. My pack's too heavy. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is, this is an invitation, this psalm, to be honest and to be present with the Lord. Seek his face. Seek his face. So we have to, this first David alone with the Lord in this time of peace. David alone with the Lord in this time of trouble. And then this third one is David. This third movement is trusting God together. Trusting in the presence of God together. Verses 13 and 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I want you to picture David now is turning to his, to his people and he's saying, listen, I know things look hard. But I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. And then he, and then he, and then he encourages them, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. So what are you this morning? What are you pursuing? What is the thing? What is it that you're just, oh, I've got this appetite. I'm stirring up my appetite for this. What is that thing? Is it peace, protection, relief, comfort, security? I want to encourage you, may it be the presence of God. Now, I mentioned earlier how strange it would be for me as a little kid to try to divide the presence of my dad from the protection and the security and the comfort of my dad. But Jesus actually tells a story about this, right? The story about a son who goes to his father and demands all the benefits that his father has. I want the stuff you have. I want the comfort you have. I want the pleasure that you have access to. I want those things, but I don't want your presence with me. His father becomes a means to an end, a kind of delivery method for what he thought he wanted. Right? You know, this is the story of the prodigal son, if you've heard it. And, and when he wakes up so far from the presence of God and, and he realizes all this stuff that I thought was going to, to satisfy me that my father had, has, it's, it's empty without him. Right? He turns and he says, I'd rather just be in his presence and not have any of the stuff. I just want, if I could just be in his presence, just a, a worker in the field, and he starts to return to his father. And if you know the story, you know, how, you know the beauty and the power of how the father responds. Right? He stays vigilant. He's looking for his son. And when he sees him, he runs to him, which would have been undignified in that. He's just running to his son. And when, he, and when he, his son starts to recite, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be in your pre- you know, I'm not worthy to be in, in the family anymore. Just let me be a worker in the field. He embraces him and then he covers him with his robe, covering up his shame and gives him his ring and, and, and brings him back into the family and calls for a party. Right. And, and here's what happens is when he gets to the presence of his father again, he gets all that stuff. The comfort, the security, the joy, the happiness, that that, he can't have it apart from the presence of his father. This means two things for you this morning. One is this. If you have not been seeking the presence of God, you just, you're not there. Maybe you got dragged here this morning. It's not too late. The story of the prodigal son, it's not too late. The father is looking. It's not too late. 
Your heavenly father is not, he's not waiting for you to just figure it out and get it right and sort everything out. He's ready for you right now. He's seeking you. He's ready to embrace you and cover you with his robes, purchased with the blood of his son, Jesus. His son, who is the true anointed one, the true one who knew what it was like to be surrounded by violence, unjust violence, who knew what it was like to have false witnesses speak lies about him, who in the garden was betrayed by his friend with a kiss. Oh, Judas, you would betray the son of man with a kiss? Knew what it was to be betrayed. Jesus, the the true anointed one, who was unjustly accused, suffered violence so that you could have peace. He was struck down so that you could be raised up. He, He died so that you could live. If if you haven't been seeking the presence of God because you've not believed with your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, it's not too late. Right now, this morning, you can do that. You can believe in him. You can confess him as Lord and Savior. I talk about this as you can kind of bend the knee in prayer, or sorry, bend your head in prayer and bend your knee in allegiance, right? This is what it looks like to follow Jesus is I I believe in him. I believe in Jesus and I will follow him. He is not just the Savior who saves me. He is my king. And now I I do what he says. I apprentice to him. I'm his follower. I'm sent by him out into the world. You can do this this morning. Now, the second thing that, that, we, that we can learn from this is if you, um, you know, if you have been, if you have, you know, if you've just kind of been in a place where your heart is sort of lukewarm, it's also not too late to seek him this morning. So first, we, we remember that, that, that the father calls for a party and invites the son back. And the second is that, is that as we get back to him, uh, that, sorry, while we, even if you're in a place where you're just like, man, I, I, I just haven't really given him the first of my hearts, it's not too late. He's ready for you right now. He's, he's pursuing you right now. This morning is a morning where you can walk out of here and say, I will pursue the presence of God. Now, the other thing that we learn from the prodigal son and from Psalm 27 is that when we seek the presence of God, peace and protection and these things follow, right? The father calls for a party and invites the son back into the family life of peace and protection. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all of these things, the worries of life, what will I eat? What will I wear? What will I drink? They'll be added to you. In other words, the, these, these, the benefits of God, we can't, we can't push him out of the way to try to get them. But when we seek his presence first, his presence brings light and salvation and protection like we saw in verse 1. And when we practice this in times of peace, And in times of trouble, our eyes get stronger so that we could see, we can see, we can, we have eyes of faith that we could say, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
We begin to see what Paul saw when he wrote Romans 8, 31 to 39, when the Spirit inspired him to say, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? If God is, I'm going to just repeat that. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who's at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. We can be honest in our troubles tribulations and distress are real. There are real things, the worries that we carry around. We really do face danger in this life. We really do face rejection in this life. We really are betrayed. Who has not known the feeling of being betrayed? False witnesses really do rise against us. People really do breathe out violence. But the psalmist says, the Lord will take me in. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. How can we know that I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Because the Lord is living. Jesus is risen. He will come again. He will make all things new. He will restore. He will, he, he, he will bring us into the land of the living where we will see the goodness of the Lord. One day that heavy backpack is just going to roll off completely as we enter our eternal reward in the presence of God. Until that day, he says, come to me, take on my yoke, it's easy. He said, until that day, he gives us his spirit and his word and his people that we might be in his presence and be helped along the way. Seek his presence. Our king is risen. He's made a way for us to see his goodness in the land of the living. He offers peace and protection. Listen, Warrington Bible, I want to encourage you with this as I close. There's an application for this that is just immediate. Seek the presence of God. And then there's an application of this that is ongoing. Come together, right? That's what David's doing here at the end is he's saying, he's turning around to the the family of God and saying, wait for the Lord. We're going to see his goodness in the land of the living. And so I want to encourage you, even when things get hard in your life and when th- or things are easy in your life, keep coming. Come to this fellowship. Come on Sundays. And, and there's a mission, missionary aspect of this. How is it that, that they will hear the gospel if we don't tell them, if we don't go to them? And so I want to encourage you to go to your friends and your neighbors and your family members. Tell them about Jesus, who actually is, you know, what they think they want. It's, it's not actually what, what's going to be good for them. What, what they really want, what, they, what God has put in them is, is a desire that cannot be satisfied with just the benefits that God has, but with God himself. And you've got that message, so go and share, share it with others. 
You know, if you develop an appetite for something, imagine, you know, your favorite restaurant. You just want to go there and you want to eat there and you want to invite your friends and say, you should come to this restaurant. They've got the best food and you should taste it. It tastes so good. We've got Jesus. This is a place where we encourage one another, where we sing these songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another so that our hearts could be encouraged and we could remind each other, wait for the Lord. We will see his goodness in the land of the living. John 16, 33, I'll read this in closing. Jesus says this, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have sought us. You have given us your spirit that we might trust in you. I pray for this, my extended family here at Warrington, that you would encourage them with the gospel. You would would keep them trusting in you and seeking your presence and inviting others into your presence and encouraging one another to to remain in your presence and to wait for you and be patient and look to our resurrection promise and our resurrected King. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. What what an honor. What, What a privilege to... Hear the word brought in power and truth, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for those of you who have gathered here today, those of you that are online, um, now we have to kind of ponder why God would send somebody up from Radford to give us this message and how we might appropriate it into our daily walk. Amen? Uh, we're about to go to lunch. We'll pray before we get down there. Uh, we've got a couple visitors, but we've got plenty of food, so we would love to have you join us. A good time of fellowship. Uh, And you get a chance to talk to Jesse as well. Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the hands that prepared the food downstairs. Uh, Father, we give you thanks for the heart and effort that goes into the decorations, Father, that we might enjoy good fellowship with you and with each other. We pray now that you bless this food, bless this message, Father. Help us to carry the truth of what we just heard with us as we exit this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're welcome to come downstairs and join us. Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? If you're listening on sermon audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at wbfva.org. Just click on giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.